If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me tonight to the book of Luke, to the 15th chapter of the book of Luke. I want to bring to you um, scripture that is familiar to me, and I bet it's familiar to you as well. I have preached on this passage of scripture several times over the years. And typically when we preach on this passage of scripture of the prodigal son, we focus a lot on the, uh, on the prodigal son and on his father. And we see a picture there of how that represents God and his love and how he's, he's there with open arms waiting to receive you. But tonight I want to, I, I will talk about the father and I will talk about the prodigal son. But I want to bring this maybe a little bit different, different than I ever have before, and uh, maybe different than you've ever heard before. And so yeah, I'm just going to ask as we get ready to read God's Word tonight, I'm going to ask that you would just uh, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray that you would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say to you tonight. And my prayer is, is that you would not only hear that you would not only be a hearer of the Word of God, but that you would be a doer of the Word of God as well. So let that be our prayer tonight, and let it be a sincere one that we mean. And so anyways, as we begin here tonight in Luke chapter 15, the 11th verse says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, sent unto, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no, more, am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now his elder brother was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house. And he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, 
Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and in his life again was lost and is found. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for our church, our church family. We thank you for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in. God, you're so good to us. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings. But we thank you most of all tonight for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life. Have our life eternally and abundantly. Lord, we are not worthy. And we couldn't do enough in a million years to repay you or even thank you enough for what you've done for us. But God, let us always be a people, right, that would not take that for granted and that would always have praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, my prayer as we go forward in this service tonight is that you would just have your way and your will in our midst. God, that you would not, um, that you wouldn't, if there's any among us that, that know you, that you wouldn't give them any peace. Until they'd wake up, till they'd come to themselves, till they'd realize that tonight is their night. This is it. Lord, if there is one that's let something creep into their heart, into their life that doesn't belong there, one that's living in sin, one that's thinking about it, one that is dwelling on it, whatever it is. God, let tonight be the night. Let tonight be the night that they would come to themselves and they would return to you before it's everlasting too late. If there's one that's let a root of bitterness come in, God, let tonight be the night that they would repent of that. Turn it over to you. Whatever it is here tonight, Lord, we're asking that you'd move in a mighty way and that you'd have your way and your will here in our midst. And Lord, let me ask one more thing. I need your help. I can't preach without you. I got nothing to say lest you give it to me. And in my own power, nobody will even listen to it. Lord, my desire tonight is that you would empower me from on high. You would fill me full of your Holy Spirit and anoint me. Lord, that everything that I might say, Lord, tonight would be your word, your will. Lord, clear my mind of everything except for your words, your message, your thoughts. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to speak tonight. And I'll be sure and give you the glory. Lord, let your presence, your spirit be known here. Pour out your holy unction. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. 
And we'll ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. You know, as I look at this, and, and, and there, there's no way to preach on this without talking about the prodigal, and I will talk about the prodigal tonight, but I'm not going to focus only on the prodigal. And as I look at this and I think about this, sooner or later, a prodigal will touch the lives of everyone here, right? Every single one. Someone you know. And listen, it might even be you. You might be that someone. But someone that you know will leave what is right, what is decent, what is godly, for what is not right, for what is indecent, and for what is ungodly and unholy. They will seemingly be absolutely oblivious to all the teaching that they had heard, all the wonderful dreams that maybe you've had as if you're their parent or something like that, for them all the desires of those who love them, for them to prosper and to live a, a, a godly and upright life. They'll leave it all behind in pursuit of self. They will break hearts. They will wound loved ones. They will abandon rights and they will destroy dreams. They will cause sleepless nights, streams of tears, and great, great grief. But for that time, for that day, our Lord provides some instructions some instructions through this parable of the prodigal son. That's what I want to try to bring to you tonight. This is not a, I don't think it's a sermon like I normally preach. Maybe it is. We'll see. Time will tell. But I think there is some simple yet straightforward instructions in this. Now, I have read this entire parable to you, this entire passage. It's a kind of a long passage. And we're going to go through and verse by verse, we're going to, you know, and I'm going to jump around some, but we're going to pick this back up. I'm not going to be concerned with the order of the scriptures. I'm going to be concerned with the characters in this. So the first one that I want to address here is the father. So here is the practical instructions for you if you are the father. Right? In this parable, right? We, here, the characters we've got is we've got the father, we've got the elder son, and we've got the younger son. Right? Remember these, okay? I'm going to start out with the father. If you are the father, here are some of the practical instructions in this parable for you. Number one, stay and keep things going. If you are the father, if you are the parent, if you are the one that the prodigal has, and you have the prodigal who's left, here is what God is telling you through this. Stay and keep things going. Look at verse 17 and 18 for just a minute. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Listen to me. If you are the father, 
the prodigal needs a place where they can return to. Right? So in other words, Father, keep on doing right. Parents, maybe in your case it's mother or grandmother, whatever it might be, keep on doing right. (laughs) There has got to be a place. The Father represented a place that was upright and righteous and holy. It's where you ought to be. And the prodigal has left there. The Father, right, whoever you are, but if you're the Father in this, you need to stay there. The righteous, the upright, the holy, the place to return to. You know, it amazes me. It amazes me how many people... They, they, they say they're Christians and they've raised their children in church, so I have no reason to disagree with that. It amazes me how many of those uh, folks that fit that broad category that I've just given, that once their prodigal goes out and their prodigal gets into something, right? Their prodigal all of a sudden comes out of the closet. Their prodigal all of a sudden starts smoking a little bit of, of weed. Their prodigal all of a sudden uh, starts doing these things. When all of a sudden their prodigal is the one who's had an affair on their wife and is in the midst of a divorce or on their husband or whatever the case may be. When all of a sudden they change their mind on what's right and what's wrong. It amazes me how many change their mind on what is right and what is wrong after their kids do it. I have been, I don't mean to just beat on the homosexual bandwagon, but I'm going to for just a second. It has amazed me how many people, firsthand, I have seen. And I'm not talking just somebody that kind of comes to church a little bit. I'm talking about ones that are even preachers and pastors that after their son or their grandson, I'm thinking of one right now who used to be Jennifer's pastor. And I said in a class in a seminar that he'd done just, seems like a year or two ago, but it was before COVID, so maybe it's been four years ago. Who all of a sudden, his grandson is now openly practicing homosexual. And he has completely changed his stance. He's completely softened. Well, I'm not really sure that's in the Old Testament under the law. I'm not really sure that's what the scriptures mean. I just kind of stay away from it. You want to know his name? I'll tell you after service. I'd tell you now, but I've got to go home with Jennifer and she'll get mad at me. She says, I've got to quit calling names. But seriously, I'm just using that person's example. I don't mean to pick on them. Uh, it amazes me how many. How many, after it's their kids, their grandkids, their whatever, their loved ones, all of a sudden they change their stance on it. The father represents the place the prodigal needs to come back to. If the father leaves that place, where has the prodigal got to come back to? Does that make any sense? Instruction number one. If you are the father, hang in there. 
Stay and keep things going. Stay and keep doing what is right. Hold up the banner. Second one, second instruction for the father goes right with it. Don't chase them. Don't chase them. Look at verse 12 and 13. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. You ever thought about that? It's like he's almost saying, Dad, I wish she was dead so I could have what, you know, my inheritance now. And Dad doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He just gives it to him. Verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Listen to me. If you're the father, don't chase after them. There are those that need you right where you are. You need to continue and, and, and be that... that I, I'm, can't think of the word I'm looking for here, but the benchmark. Uh, the, the, you need to stay there and be that solid anchor for them, right? You need to stay there and keep upholding what is right. Not back down from the word of God in any way, shape, or form. Do not leave and do not go and chase after them. There are those, that you, you, just as this man here, he had other children. He, he had things to take care of, right? He had a lot of people that depended on him. He needed to stay right there, not go chase after the prodigal. When you go chasing after the prodigal, you know what happens? You become unstable. Unstable. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let me give you a little more instruction. If we look at verse 20, here's your third instruction. Always hope. Look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. When he was a great way off, his father saw him. The father saw him coming. What's the instruction I said? Always hope. Or I could say it this way. Don't lose hope. Is your prodigal out deep in sin? Is he far from home in what's right? Don't lose hope. I heard somebody say one time, and I'm not 100% sure what he even means, but it sounded good. Anyways, they said, weep tonight, fast tomorrow, hope today. Well, I'll hang on to that hope today part. Don't lose hope. Let me give you another instruction. Your hope, what's your, what is your hope? Your hope is the prodigal comes to themselves and returns home. So here is your third instruction, or your fourth one. Rejoice at the return. Verse 23 and 24. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Rejoice at his return. This is not the time to dwell on your grief. 
This is not the time to reopen your old wounds and your heartaches. And now is not the time to dwell on their sin and on their shame and, and how they've wasted everything. If you're a father, let me give you something to start learning and practicing right now. Let me give you something. If you really want to help, let me give you something. Learn about God's forgiveness and begin to practice it. Let me, let me, I think God's forgiveness will illustrate what I am trying to say here. When we forgive, what do we do? I say, okay, Ted, I forgive you. But I haven't forgotten what you have done. And I'm going to keep an eye on you, Ted. Now, I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to be as good to you as I can. But I got a close eye on you, and I'm not even going to give you a little bit of a chance to slip up. Fool me once, right? How's that, how's that go? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? That's our forgiveness. And you know what? We think that it's pretty big of us to forgive them and give them a second chance, don't we? We think we've really done something, don't we? Oh, that is mighty Christian of you. <laughs> That's not God's forgiveness. That's the forgiveness of the world. What does God do? Does God say, God, does God say to you, Scott, I forgive you, Scott, really do. But I'm never going to forget what you did. And man, if you so much as even close, come close, do you hear me? Close! I couldn't resist. I've always wanted to yell at Scott. To messing up. I'm going to burn you in the hottest part of hell. Twice. Is that what God does? No. No, he doesn't. He is long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish. But here's what he does. When God forgives, he forgives. Right? That's what's talking about when our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That's when he talks about our sins are thrown into the depths of the sea. Not to be remembered anymore. It's forgotten. God doesn't say, I'm forgiving you, but I remember what you did. No, it's like you've never done it. It is forgiven. It is forgotten. It is not rehashed. It is not brought back up before you and, and, and thrown in your face every time you stumble after that. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that we serve such a loving and gracious and merciful God? Aren't you glad that our sins have been removed? Not to be brought up and reminded of us anymore. Now the devil will, but he's a liar. You can give him the boot. You can send him down the road. If you're the father, you need to learn how to forgive like the father forgives. And you be ready and be prepared when the prodigal returns 
you be prepared to forgive. You see, when the prodigal comes back, he is broken. He's willing to take the lowest place. He has hit rock bottom. Now, I want you to rejoice at his return. And I want you, my last instruction was prepared to forgive. Did you notice, let me see here, I think it's in verse 22 or 23. Let me look. 23. Did you notice that it says, and bring here, bring hither the fatted calf? I, I said, that I rolled, I real nicely rolled right in to be prepared to forgive. Part of that being prepared to forgive is being ready, being prepared like you're, you're ready, you think it's actually going to happen. He did not say, bring out here a fatted calf. He didn't say, pick the best looking one that we've got and bring it out here. He said, bring the fatted calf. The one that's been set aside and prepared for this occasion. The calf was ready for this day. Can I ask you something before I move on? If you're the father and your attitude is you're sitting there and you're going, but preacher, you don't know what he did to me or she did to me or did to my family or whatever. If you're sitting there and your attitude is I can never forgive them, why would they ever return? Why would they ever return? You see, you must be prepared. If they're going to return, if there's any chance of them ever returning, you've got to be prepared to forgive them before they ever even come to themselves and come back. All right, that's if you're the father. All right, what if you are the other son? I say the other son because we always talk about the prodigal who's the younger son. What about the other son? The elder son. Um, I honestly think when Jesus is telling this, that he intends for the other son to be the Pharisees. It's the, if not, he sure would make a good Pharisee. But let me give you some instructions. If you are the other son, rejoice that your inheritance is intact. Prodigal son, he squandered everything that he had. He took it all, took his inheritance, and he lost it. It's gone. You stayed. You were faithful. Your inheritance is still intact. Look at verse uh, 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. What others have done may well bring shame. But no matter how wicked their sin was, your inheritance remains intact. The prodigal is starting over. When he comes back, and look, I've seen them come back when they're 40, 50, 60 years old. They are starting over. 
they're like an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old getting out here trying to get started. But they got a lot of baggage that they're dragging behind them that comes with all of this. They are starting all over. Rejoice, your inheritance is intact. You are not starting over. You stayed and done what you were supposed to. Let me give you another instruction if you are the elder son. Rejoice. Rejoice that progress has been made. Look at verse 32. It was meet that we should, that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Why? Why be angry at them? Pray for them. An end to the wickedness has come. Rejoice and pray for them. Let me give you another instruction if you are the elder son. Rejoice that your fellowship has remained unbroken. Verse 31 again, he, sa- he says, And when he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Thou art ever with me. You and you alone are responsible for your fellowship with the Father. And it has remained unbroken. Why let what they have done or are doing ruin your fellowship with God? Why would you do that? Why would you let those things come in? Can I give you one more instruction if you are the other son? Rejoice. Rejoice that your testimony is still intact and mourn that they have lost theirs. Don't be jealous. I mean, the other son is jealous that they're throwing the party here. Don't be jealous. Rejoice. Rejoice. Look at verse 29. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He's jealous. Did you notice something in this verse? The older son, the elder son, by reacting the way that he has, by his own words here in verse 29, he makes himself into the servant, into the slave. Did you ever catch that? He calls himself a servant here in verse 29. The younger son who has, whenever he finally comes to himself, when he's out there on the hog pen, and he says, even my father's servants have plenty to eat, right? He says, they got what they need. They are in better shape than I am. I will go back and be a servant. But when he returns and he starts to give his field to his father, how he just wants to be a servant. He just wants to be a slave to his father. His father says no. And he puts the ring on him, puts the robe on him, right? Puts shoes on him, right? He restores him to his position but yet the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness of the older son when he comes back and everything he's heard he spews out he makes himself the servant the servant to the bitterness and to the sin and to the and to the unforgiveness don't be bitter over the forgiveness they receive don't become a slave to that bitterness, to that unforgiveness, to the memory of their past. 
It's not even your past. It's theirs. You're not the one that messed up. They did. Don't become a slave to what they did into their past. Don't relive their sin. That's what he does in verse 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, which, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He's reliving all the things that they knew. Somehow they'd gotten word they knew what this prodigal son had done. And he is reliving all of this. He's reliving the prodigal sin. Don't do that. Don't. Rejoice. You've got a lot. If you are the other son, you've got a lot to rejoice over. You've got a relationship with God that is unbroken, right? You have got a testimony that is still intact, right? Your fellowship has remained intact, intact right? Um, you, you can rejoice because this brother that was dead is now alive. Be merry and rejoice. And then I said, I wasn't going to skip over the prodigal. I didn't just I just didn't want to just focus on the prodigal. Maybe you're the prodigal. Maybe you're the prodigal. Maybe you haven't come back yet and tonight's the night you're gonna come back. Maybe you come back a few years ago, but you're still the prodigal and there's still some things that you're dealing with and that you're having to live with and having to try to cope with because you're the prodigal. Let me say this first of all. Maybe Maybe you're the prodigal in your mind. Does that make sense to you? The prodigal in your mind, does that make any sense to you? Ethan's looking at me like, are you talking to me? I don't know, am I? <laughs> no, what I mean is, before the prodigal went and done what he did, he thought about it for quite a while first, didn't he? It was not just all of a sudden, first time it ever popped in his mind. He's like, I got a great idea and immediately acted on it. No, he had lived that out for quite a while in his mind beforehand. He had thought about that. He'd planned that sin out for a long time and how he was going to go live and live it up. Right? He already had that figured out. He'd been faking and dwelling on that sin for a long time before he got up the nerve to go to his father and ask him for his share of the inheritance. If that is you, if that is the position that you are in right now or you find yourself in, here is the advice the Bible gives you. Here's the instructions the Bible gives you. Don't go. Don't go. Look at verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You've already made the mistake of just thinking about it. The far country, that distant country, that place of sin that he wanted to go to, or he saw it as pleasure, the place of pleasure that he wanted to go to. It won't look near as exciting once you're there. Right? That's kind of like we've all heard the saying about the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. We've heard the story about the, about the bull 
who's out in the pasture grazing. He's a he's pretty good sized old boy. Bob wire fence is just yeah, that's like a suggestion to him, you know. Jimmy, you've you've had that kind before. I've been around him before. It is like a mild suggestion to him. He is there on the hillside and he has got a beautiful day and a great view. And on a distant hillside over here, he sees grass that looks so much better. A pasture so much more lush than the one that he is standing in. Five fences later, he's on that hillside and he's grazing. Not as good as he thought it would be. You know, there, when he first gets there, he tries to kind of convince himself how great it is. But it's not very long, and he's looking around. There. There is the spot where he should have went. Five more fences later, and he realizes he's back in the pasture he come from to begin with. That's the story of the grass is greener on the other side. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Uh, it looks good from this side, but once you get there, you'll realize it is, there's not so much pleasure there. It's not as much fun as you wanted. It'll cost you way more than what you ever intended on paying. What you'll do is you will find yourself in the pig pen. That's what you'll do. Right, that far country looked really good to that prodigal. And he had a pocket full of money, right? And I guarantee you as long as he had a pocket full of money, he had a lot of friends around him. But you know what happened when he get there? The pocket full of money is gone, and he is in the hog pen. You know what else you'll find there? You'll find famine there, right? Famine means a, a severe want. You will be in a state of severe want or in severe need, maybe is a better way to say that. That's how you'll find yourself. And remember what I said about the friends? What you'll also find is you'll be abandoned there. I've got a cousin. I don't know... I, 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 I can kind of explain why. I don't know that I should because this is being recorded. But he kind of had a special place in the family. Just the circumstances of his birth and his raising. His parents were so young when they had him. Um, you know, my grandparents had him and my aunt had him a lot all the time. And he was just, I, he just come along at the right time and he... He kind of had a special place. Anyways, he grew up. Uh, somewhere along the way after he left home, he, he got into drugs. Um, I don't know, some of it's stuff I don't even understand anymore. You know, I mean, the drugs, the drug culture has evolved so much, and, and honestly, I don't even want to. But here's the deal. Here's how this all went down. He died when he was, how old was he, 23, Jennifer, 24? 25 at the oldest, somewhere in there. Had a new little baby girl. Um, her mother had left him because of the drugs. 
he would try to clean up, but he wouldn't stay that away very long, and he was back. And she just wasn't going to, you know, take it, and then she'd finally left him. But anyways, here's what he would do. He had this bunch of buddies, right? They were all, they doped together, whatever the right term is for that. What they would do is when they would get, the, get their hands on some money, they would rent a motel room. I'm sure it's one of those you could probably rent by the hour. I mean, I don't know. Something like that. It wasn't a very good place on the north side of Springfield. And they'd all meet there, and they'd party it up. They'd have a big time. Well, until he overdosed. Right? It was the cleaning lady that found him dead in the bathroom, facing his own vomit. As soon as he started overdosing, you know what the rest of them did? They didn't say, oh, we're a good friend, and we don't care if we get in trouble. We're going to take him to the hospital where they'll save his life. No, they left before the cops got there. Listen to me. It was the same with the prodigal over 2,000 years ago, right? People have not changed. Human nature is the same. If you are the prodigal or even thinking about it, I'm telling you, the scripture tells you, don't go. You'll not find anything there worth having, right? Worth keeping, right? You will find want. You'll find yourself in the hog pen. You'll find famine. And those friends you thought you had, they're gone. Don't go. If you are the prodigal, be prepared for disaster. Uh, verse 14 says, And when they had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. The same people that laughed when Jesus asked you to surrender all will laugh and leave you when the money is gone. The same friends that will make fun of you for being a Christian, for even consider being a Christian, and will mock you and make fun of you, are the same ones that will laugh, mock you, and leave you for dead when the money is gone. If you are the prodigal, the number one instruction here is come home. There is someone looking for you. It might be a wife, it might be a husband, it might be a mom, it might be a dad. It, it, the point is there is somebody there on the porch, arms open, waiting, watching for you. The fatted calf is prepared, waiting. Come home. If you're the prodigal, be prepared to admit that you were wrong. That's, that's a lot of what repentance is. Uh, verse 18 says, the prodigal here, he's, he's going through this in his mind. He's saying, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now that not... You know, you don't have to have some big speech prepared or anything like that. But it's got to be an attitude of the heart. Some just mouth words. But their hearts are far from the truth. 
It's got to be a sincere thing from the heart. See, we have a lot of false returns, right? They're just mouthing words. They've just got into some trouble maybe, and they're just trying to wiggle their way out. No, 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 no. If you're the prodigal, you've got to return. And part of that returning is, is be prepared to admit you're wrong. In other words, you have got to truly repent, and this is an attitude of the heart. And one last thing. If you're the prodigal, be prepared for some things never to be the same. There is, some, there is just some things that are never going to be the same. Some will receive you. Some will not. Perhaps you think they, they should. Maybe that's true. But you should not have left either. Your return can bring forgiveness. But restoration, that's different than forgiveness. Restoration takes time. I have also seen people upset and bitter. They were the prodigal. They have truly turned it around and returned. But they're upset because they do not have instant, full restoration. Things aren't just exactly like they were before. I got news for you. They probably never will be just like they were before. And to even get back to something that's close to what they were before, that is going to take time. It's called restoration. I'm not the only one. You guys probably know of some too. Preachers. I'm thinking of two right now. Who as ministers ran off with other women. After a while, I, I'm not going to question their repentance and their coming to themselves and coming back home and, and trying to repair things with their, with their wives, their, their first wives, and, and, and put that relationship back together and so on and so forth. But then they're all discouraged and disappointed because their ministry is just not... They're not able to just, just step right back into the ministry and be right back to where they were and everybody just to be tickled to death that they've come back and just... You, do you understand what I'm saying here? If you are the prodigal, be prepared. It's going it's to take a while for restoration and some things may never be the same. Your return will not restore the wasted money it will not restore the lost time, and it will not restore the ruined testimony. The prodigal had to start over, but at least he did start over. And it usually takes years to recover your testimony. It always takes longer to build something than it does to destroy something. So let me say this in closing, in summary. If you are the father, you need to plead with God for strength and for grace. If you are the older brother, then you need to plead with God for compassion and for grace. And if you are the prodigal son, then I'm begging you, come home. Come home. Now is the time. God is calling you right now. 
come home. Jennifer, will you come for a song of invitation? I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to open the altar, and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. If you are the prodigal son, come home. Now is the opportunity. God is calling. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. Come home. If you are the older brother, now is the time to come and plead with God uh, for the compassion that you need and the grace that you need. If you are the father, then you need to, then now is the time to come and plead with God to give you the forgiveness, the forgiving spirit, and the grace that you need. The mercy. Maybe you've got a need, maybe you've got a burden. Maybe you've got your own prodigal that is out there somewhere. Maybe you don't even know what they're up to right now and tonight. Maybe the thought of what they might be up to you scares you to death. I'm asking you, would you come and pray for them tonight? Would you come and lift their name up before God? Whatever it is, would you come tonight? Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this chance. You might not get another one. Would you come tonight? Would you come?